Welcome to the Classroom to Career Podcast, where you and Brentwood students will learn the careers and experiences of the wonderful people on Long Island. Hello, everyone, to the first ever episode to the Classroom to Careers podcast series. My name is Juan Delgado, a Brownwood research student, an aspiring broker, and a fake astrophysicist. And my co-host here... And my name is Joshua Castellanos. I'm a Brentwood research student, radical bird watcher, and a cartoon creator. And today's episode, we will be interviewing Rosalie Drago, currently the commissioner of Suffolk County's Department of Labor, Licensing, and Consumer Affairs. Welcome to the podcast, Ms. Drago. How are you doing today? Excellent. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm your, am I, is this your first? Yes, this is the yes. first podcast I get to be the you, are, you are the first person we were talking to. It's, it's a pleasure. It's actually great. I'm honored. Thank you. Now, for our first question, is there like I know to I know supposedly it's like French origin Rosalie, it means rose. But what about your last name? What does that mean? Does that have any significance? So my my first name Rosalie is actually it's got a lot of origins. Um, it's actually I was named after Rosalia with Di Francesco, which is my grandmother, and they're we're Italian heritage, and. Uh, I'm Drago is my married name. So it's Drago in Italy and Drago here because people say it that way. Um, <laughs> and it means dragon. So oh, and I have a dragon cool. tattoo. So cool. they go together. <laughs> I like Most the fierceness with it. <laughs> so um, we usually like to start off with, you know, personal questions uh, before we get into the main career part. And that's one of the reasons why we asked about your name. And for the next question we have is, uh, what were you like growing up? Like, how was your, how did your atmosphere really, you know, create who you are today? Uh, I was a curious child. I always wanted to know how everything worked. I would take stuff apart and uh, try to put it back together, sometimes successfully, sometimes not so successfully. Um, but I always wanted to understand why things were happening. Um, I probably drove my parents crazy with that. In terms of environment, so I grew up in a working poor family. And I think without question that has shaped everything that I've done my entire life. Um, I think in the beginning it, it was where I saw it as a disadvantage and um, over time that shifted to be a tremendous advantage for me. Um, you know, I've been working since I'm 14 and I've had every job imaginable from uh, working in a factory to delivering pizza to working in a grocery store. So um you know, at the time, I think when I looked at some of my peers in school, I felt like it was a hardship, but um, I really would not be here today in this job if it wasn't for that. You know, from what you're telling us, you're skilled in a bunch of different fields, so it makes you very open-minded. I, I like that. I love your Rosie the Riveter poster in the background as oh, well. Let me take a moment. I mean, this isn't going to be on, like, no one will be able to see this, but you guys, this is my wall of ladies that are cheering me on, and I'm adding to it, so I have Rosie the Riveter. I also have Ruth Bader Ginsburg and I have Shirley Chisholm. So I don't know, you probably can't see, but Ruth says descent and Shirley Chisholm was, which was the first um, black woman to run for president um, in the seventies. She was a Congress member for Brooklyn. It says service is the rent we pay for the privilege of living on this earth, which like, I feel like is my motto. That's, that's deep. actually, yeah, that's, uh, the funny part about that, you know, Juan pointed that out, it actually kind of drives us into our next question. So, Juan, do you want to ask the question? Who is your idol slash inspiration? 
As a child, I honestly was inspired by the people in my family, right? Like it wasn't anybody out there, you know, in sort of the preteen years. I My father was a World War II veteran. He would talk a lot about the war, um, about what that meant to him, about being in service, about the, you know, adventures, um, about the conflict that is was for him. So, I mean, and then my mother was a teacher and an artist. Um, and my grandparents had both, you know, were from an immigrant family, had both lived through wars. So I really found their lives inspiring, their, you know, sort of resilience um, and their way to make things, use their creativity to make a good life. So I, when I was younger, it was, you know, it, those were my my idols, I guess, when I was a teenager, you know, it was like Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> And now, my gosh, there are so many amazing people to be inspired by, right? Like, um, you know, women in service in particular, um, Michelle Obama and um, Ruth and Shirley. So there's there's a lot. I really do like when, you know, people have a lot of like on their wall, they have people that, you know, give them kind of a push, like, you know, when they just like with the with the three women that you have behind you in your room, I really like how it's, you know, a constant reminder, and kind of like, you know, just letting you move towards what you want to do, and, you know, keep on doing what you're doing. And family. so if you have any other suggestions, you let me know, actually, and I usually um, like use local artists. So I have a couple more coming. I'll get you I'll tell when it's updated, I'll let you know. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Tell us. <laughs> Send your pictures. Family is definitely one of one of the greatest inspirations for a lot of people. For um for our next uh, for our next question, uh, we would like to ask you how was Montclair State University, and what about the York University Robert F. Wagner School of Public Service? So Montclair was a great college. The professors there really helped me connect what I was passionate about with school. Um, it was my third attempt at college in undergrad. I dropped out um, three times because I just, I worked the whole time. I couldn't really connect. I loved working. I'm a hands-on learner. So, um, you know, I had to keep working. School was sort of second to that. And I also, you know, hadn't yet connected what I was passionate about with what I was learning in school. Um, so it wasn't until Montclair when I was really able to make that connection. And then uh, NYU, um, Wagner School of Public Service, it was a dream come true for me for a couple of reasons. First of all, um, growing up the way I did, I was told a lot about what I wasn't going to be able to do. And NYU was something that I wanted to do because um, it had seemed out of reach for so long. I'd wanted to go since I was very young. Um, Also, I was it was a crazy time to do it. I was 40 and pregnant with my second child. Whoa. Um, and also it's where I really, really like connected with what my calling was. I remember walking into orientation and being in tears because it was an entire, you know, education on how to be in service to the public through government. And, um, it just really resonated with me. My, my, um, my application letter was about how I moved here from Brooklyn and, uh, you know, how we developed downtowns, but left entire neighborhoods in poverty and people unemployed and how that inequity and lack of planning was just um, unacceptable. So it was a chance to see how I might make that better. This is like a superhero uprising story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but 
I'm going to tell you, like, I appreciate you saying that because when I got sworn in here, um, you know, I had to, you know, I, I was sort of like going through what I needed to go through. And then they were like, you're going to a swearing in ceremony. I had my kids, my husband, my niece were with me. And uh, I didn't realize I was going to have to take the oath, take an oath, right, on the Constitution of the United States, on the Constitution of the state and um, locally. And, and what I really thought was like 19-year-old me could never ever have imagined that that would be possible and I, I was like I just wish I could go back and tell her like this you can do this is where you're going to be right <laughs> so. you're in definitely a great position our next question right our next question will connect with a lot I like to how you told about your hardship and all that getting all the way to here because our next question is what was your method to cope and go through this hardship so as I was going to say when I was younger, but it's it's actually the same thing now. So, you know, as a kid, still now writing nature, right? Like I would write about how I was feeling, about the things that I saw that I didn't like, um, you know, nature, reading, a lot of times imagining a world that was better, imagining what was possible and trying to see myself in ways to do that and um, and helping other people, right? When I, I think when I feel most frustrated about things, helping other people um, really energizes and, and realigns my hope. Um, mini question before we get to the next one. Since you said about writing, do you have or would you like to have a book? Like, would you ever write a book? Because that sounds interesting. I, you know, whenever it so comes to people writing, you guys know. are killing me here because I'm going to tell you, like, I read these questions. I was really moved. So I think a lot of people have books. I don't think we need any more books. I will tell you that I write poetry. So one day maybe like that gets published or something. But like I, my, I sort of see no one knows this stuff. I don't know how you work this out, like how you figured out what questions to ask. But um, yeah, so when like my experiences I have down in, in poetry. So maybe one day. Yo, I would, I would love to look for that in the future. That would, that would be great. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, you know, it's it's whatever you would like to show and whatever you would like to, you know, have your story out. And, you know, that's we're, we're that's really vulnerable. Let me think about that one. Also, I think you deserve it because if there's like SoundCloud rappers that are like 14 year olds already writing their biographies, I think you deserve it. <laughs> if you there's a point in time where it's like, yeah, you deserve it at that point. <laughs> All right. Since you gave me permission then I will formally declare that I will at least release one of them this year. Hold on. I have to write this down. Uh, now I'm being held accountable. I'm also <laughs> writing it down. Oh God, you're killing me. Okay. Well, while that happens, um, to, <laughs> set you up for, to set you up for your next question, what was your most important thing that you learned throughout all of your years of schooling? Like what was, what, what's something that you could always remember and look back to? This better be in the biography, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I I think, you know, let's see. Everything, everything is an opportunity to learn. I mean, that's not just about school. Like, I just learned that in life. I never looked at anything that came my way. I always saw it as, um, you know, the abundance in the universe. And so anything is a chance to learn. Um, and, you know, the other thing for me in school specifically was I'm a hands-on learner. So um, a lot of how well you do has to do with your learning style 
And I think I didn't know what that was earlier, right? And so, um, you know, I look at the way they teach math now to my kids. I have an eight and an 11-year-old. And um, there's like five different ways you can do the math problem. I had one. And that <laughs> one didn't work for me. And I, I didn't do well, right? And so I think, you know, I think that uh, context and how you learn has a lot to do with it. Um. I kind of, I know I'm jumping in like, you know, a few questions that you haven't read. Go for it. I would, I would like to dive in a little bit more, but uh, one more personal question, if Juan doesn't have another one, but. Um, uh, I'll do it. I'll do mine after yours, bro. <laughs> what teacher um, really helped you? Like what, if you could think back now, what teacher really helped you move to where you are, when it, whether it comes to a subject or your position right now, like what teacher would you like to talk about to us? There is one. So I didn't have to think about it. Right. Fourth grade, um, because I was a hands on learner and also like, you know, needed to move around a lot. I am at a standing desk, by the way. I never sit at my desk. I just don't sit. Um, So her name was Mrs. Cochin. And I struggled with math a lot. And, you know, she would. I would do one pro like long division. Oh, my gosh. At the time Um, I would do one. And I love to read and write and draw and do art. So for every long division problem, I could then go and draw something or write a poem or make something. And that's how she helped me get through it. As opposed to saying, you have to do it this way and everyone has to do it the same way. She really understood the individuality of her students and and coached the best out of them using what she knew about them. And um, she was the only teacher to do that in my school career. So, yeah. That's great. Whoa. It's kind of like a little reward. Did you, uh, I remember Elon Musk saying um, A Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was like one of the most inspirational books for him. And so, you know, I I know you like poetry, but who was was a really cool poet in like fourth grade that you knew? Was it Walt Whitman? No. So (laughs) in, in, um, you know, I currently have a list of poets I would give you, but back then the, my parents only had like one, they only had, they had Robert Frost and Shel Silverstein in my, in my house. So it wasn't that I think that inspired me to uh, do poetry. I think that just, I feel like I experienced life in these bursts of experiences and poetry just seems to be the right venue for that. Um, but uh, that's a good book, by the way, Elon's right. <laughs> Well, now that we got, you know, now we got a little bit of personal, like, you know, growth and everything like that. Now uh, we would like to focus on your career with a few career questions. So to start off, um, me and Juan looked into your LinkedIn and we saw a lot of community stuff. So did you always have a vision for community? I have like a vision and a mission that I just carry with me wherever I go, right? A vision for the world I wanna live in. And whether I'm at work or I'm at the store, like I just take that with me. So whatever job I'm at, it comes with me. Um, It's a world where everyone's voice and perspective is heard. It's a world where there's equitable growth and everyone is uplifted together in whatever we are doing as a society or as a community or in a business. Um, And, you know, where we bring out the best in one another so, and where, you know, the differences that everyone has is part of a really beautiful quilt 
um, that's sort of what I bring to wherever I go. So um, when I'm here, that looks, you know, I'm focused on how I can use workforce development and our licensing division to do that. When I'm, you know, somewhere else, I, I look to do the same thing, you know, in that, in that space. But that vision that I have is what goes with me wherever I am. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know, um, Ms. Drago had a project on her Indeed called Bringing Back the Town Square. And she spent about 12 years as a consultant for neighborhood economic development and is now and is now uh, and now is the commissioner of the Depth of Labor. Yep. Now, for a second question, since you're LinkedIn, if, if, if that quote you're trying to make is for the community, your LinkedIn is probably a tapestry, an ancient <laughs> art. Of, like, it's super crazy. But do you have any tips on being a manager or being in marketing? Because I've seen the achievements you've done and they're insane. So, the, you know, I, I'm going to answer that. And, you know, so first of all, being a manager, a good manager, is it's not easy to do. Um, and I think I, I channel Mrs. Cochin, right? Like, listen, ask questions, be vulnerable. Like, that's the most important thing as a leader you can do is be vulnerable and be real with people um, and bringing out the best in people, right? Like that. That's what management is. You're being a coach. You're coming in and saying, what is everybody's, you know, God-given gifts and the things that they're best at? And let's bring the best, strengthen that and uh, and use people to the best of their ability and let them flourish. That's sort of the goal. I think there's a lot of listening in that. There's a lot of asking questions in that. Um, and, have in, and keeping a vision, but creating a shared vision, I think is the other thing that's key for a manager, right? Like, you come in as I did here with that, you know, you asked me what my mission is. Like I came in with that vision, but I have to hear what other people's perspectives are and weave together a joint vision. So, and marketing to me is um, it's storytelling. So everything has a unique story to tell. And I think that's, that's how I've always viewed marketing as a way to tell the story of what's, happening. We have a campaign that we just started, which is a social media campaign, hashtag LI at work. Um, what we had, what I had found is that um, young people had said, you know, can you find me people that look like me in these careers that you say are open? So we just started that campaign and we have a little photo and profile of different, um, of the diverse people on Long Island doing jobs. And so that's, you know, that's storytelling. That's promoting them the careers and the best of what Long Island has. I think I've always been told for the past like two years that I need to start saying a story because that will get me places. Yeah. I I don't know if she's listening to this recording at all, if she is, but I think I have to say thanks to Dr. Grella for always trying to like just shove that down into our brains and understand that saying a story is one of the most important things. Yes. in anything and everything. like everyone's heritage right is transferred by story mm-hmm. right um that's what people connect with you know they connect with people's story that's what makes people understand one another is sharing their story so for sure that's what you're doing right now <laughs> <laughs> i definitely um i definitely feel like because me and juan are in a program called my brother's keeper uh usually uh, every so. usually every wednesday we have like a guest speaker and I feel like whether whether or not the guest speaker has something that they're speaking of interest, I feel like the fact that 
every every pattern that the speaker had of they were at a harsh time but the thing was is that for some reason when they were a kid they just had some kind of light where they knew they were going to do what they wanted to do or something along the fields of that so i feel like you know at least having someone's story like you know someone else explain their story is definitely great to hear to see like them triumph against the things that they've gone through you know what else i like about it 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 often reveals the comp the things we have in common you know, mm-hmm. that the shared human experience, right? Regardless of your background, where you come from, what you look like, there's a shared human experience that connects us. So um, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, diversity and minority. And one of the things with diversity is that according to Suffolk County uh, NY.gov, we found out that you were the first female to hold the position of commissioner of Suffolk County Department of Labor, Licensing and uh, Consumer Affairs. Yes, congratulations. I, it was it was crazy to see. And we just want to know, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about being the first woman to hold this position? Um, it, it, it's an honor. I mean, it's an honor to be the first of something. To be To be honest, this time is a great time and a great time of opportunity. So right now I'm working with, for the first time in my career, uh, a group of amazing women in leadership positions. The commissioner of the police department, Jerry Hart, who's at, was former FBI, right? Um, commissioner of, of um, social services, Commissioner Pierre, Commissioner Wright from economic development, Risa Fernandez, the head of um, our diversity initiative for the county. I am working alongside some amazing women. So the hardship in being a woman in leadership was when I was younger, when that wasn't common, and when it was sort of, you know, so you know, occasionally you'd run across another female in a leadership position. Those were the hard times, but now it's it's um, it's amazing. And and the fact that the world is focused on diversity and on having a more diverse um, workplace is it's the right time and an amazing time to be doing this work. We've definitely progressed That's amazing. a lot. We've definitely and, progressed. Uh, There's a lot of work to do, though. We've progressed, but there's a <laughs> lot of work to do. Okay, and our next question goes into that. And I feel like we were slightly inspired by MBK since um, MBK was created to get, um, you know, black minority men out of the streets and, you know, into school, into, you know, to create a brotherhood. And so... The one thing that always stretched on every guest speaker we had was that they felt like they were just so out of place when they were like the only black student in a college, the workforce they were in, the department they were in. And so what were the hardships for you being in this leadership position as a woman or in any? Again, like it is nothing at, at now. Now it's it's uh, it's great. But, you know, as a young person, right, 19 I think like 18 and 19, I was in my first office job. It was all males. There were no, there was one woman in a sort of leadership position and um, she wasn't respected. Her voice wasn't given the same weight. Um, And, you know, I watched that happen over and over again for a good decade, Um, you know, and a lot of what was revealed in the Me Too movement was stuff I experienced as a young woman in the workplace for a very long time. And and what was difficult was it was, you know, so normal that never would have thought to say anything to anyone about it not being right. 
And so what's amazing now is that the voice that people have, the willingness to stand up and say, not okay, to so many things that people have suffered needlessly and silently for so many years. So, um, you know, now is a good time, but it was, it was tough coming up. But you could tell I'm not quiet. So they heard my voice. Whether they listen to my voice, I can't tell you, but they heard my voice. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, your, your voice should definitely be heard at the position that you're at right now. You definitely, you know, you give a lot of voice to a lot of people. And that actually, um, now that you said that, I kind of want to add in a little mini question. Um, do you, did you ever have like a female mentor, just a mentor in general? And have you ever mentored anyone? So it's interesting, my mentors have been male. And I think what's powerful about that is they were men who, who, you know, again, like when I, during a time when women were not leaders, who saw the benefit and were not intimidated by that, right? So I did not have, um, you know, growing up in my career, female mentors. I had males who believed that women and their perspectives were beneficial to the workplace and thought it was worthwhile coaching me and helping me navigate in a world of men, right? Um, now, my mentors are my peers. I learn from those amazing women I mentioned to you, right? And, and that's, that's brilliant, right? We sit together, we call each other, we talk through issues together. Um, so, yeah. And have I mentored anyone? I mean... People have said I have. I'm, I'm certainly not going into it with that intention. Um, you know, I, I just want to help bring out the best in other people like someone did for me. So when um, I told you I was from a working poor family and, you know, I was working three jobs and I had a customer come into the restaurant that I was working and told me I could do more with my life than I was doing. And I kind of just didn't get it. I was like, you know, people like me can't do those things. And he had said, you know, imagine what's some ridiculous amount of money you wish you could make that you think you can't. And I said, oh, well, like a hundred thousand dollars. He's like, well, you can do it. Um, and he really helped me. He stayed after my shift. He helped me envision there was more options for me. Um, helped me write a resume. Helped me look for jobs. Um, when I had my first interview, lent me a hundred dollars for my first suit. And when I got the job, uh, paid my car insurance for the first month while I switched over to that first office job. I paid him back. But if, you know, that's what, if he hadn't done that, I wouldn't be here. So um, that's, and that's what we do with the Department of Labor, right? We have an employment center where we help people do that very thing. And so I know I'm living proof that it can work and that it can break down the barriers. And that's what, you know, I want to spend my time doing. So I'm certainly not going into anything intending to be a mentor. You'll have to ask people if you think I'm a mentor. But um, <laughs> my goal is just to bring out the best and make sure, clear a path so people can reach their full potential. You have cultivated like people. Yeah. You have yeah. cultivated people, and I know it. You've definitely helped out a bunch. You definitely helped out a bunch of people. It's definitely a lot of passing it forward. A lot of passing it forward. That you That's know, all you can do, right? Mm-hmm. And... Um, for uh, our final question, we would like to ask, um, what would you like to do for the minorities in the community? So Long Island only succeeds when we're firing in all engines. And all engines means that we're using the skill and the talent and the knowledge of every member of our community. 
and we're not doing that. When I moved here from Brooklyn, it is, I was shocked at how segregated, how inequitable um, Long Island is because of a long history. So my goal is to remove barriers to work and opportunity to um, improve access. So it's not just enough, right, to remove the barrier um, because I certainly, you know, tried to go to college as a kid and, and I just didn't fit in, right? And I tried all those things and it wasn't until someone not just removed the barrier for me, but sat with me and helped figure out the right access points that, that, were, that would work for me. So doing that for all of our communities of color and making it one Long Island, right? So that it's not, it's segregated, which I find insane. Um, where everyone's connected and everyone's um, appreciating one another as an empowered, because if everyone is doing well themselves, then this island will do well. Powerful. <laughs> yes, definitely wanting to, you know, bring everyone in the community of Long Island together and to help everyone out try and overcome the things that, you know, all the negatives that have happened throughout the history of Long Island. And definitely Long Island has a very rich amount of history, but, you know, we can only progress from where we are right now. And definitely right now with like, you know, still in the midst of a pandemic, I could say. But we oh still gosh, got those vaccines yeah. coming in, so <laughs> let's go. Hey, listen, and I hope you realize and acknowledge that you're part of what's making this island better, right? Your voice is being heard. You are getting a, a people together to hear their voice. You're sharing that. Young people are more likely, they sure aren't going to listen to me. They're more likely to listen to you. <laughs> and if you if you'd introduce them to this story as an opportunity, they're going to listen. So Make sure that you are taking credit for that yourself. I will. Thank you that's, very much. That's one thing me and Juan have <laughs> definitely been trying to do. We definitely want to, you know, help out our hometown first and just, you know, move move from there. We, we definitely want to be progressive, successful students. And, you know, we're glad to have you help us out and have us help you out, you know, ha- having everyone be able to share their stories. And, you know, your story is definitely on on the interesting side you're definitely on the top right there i'm gonna put you on my <laughs> on the first one it's gonna go like you know that doesn't count so i'll call me like six into this i have can i ask you guys one question oh yeah, sure. sure yeah all right so i'm gonna turn that question around and ask you what do you think that government and people in our position can do to help the minority community so bring it on you're i, I serve you i'm a public servant you're supposed to give me a list of things to Ooh, do. Ooh, okay. Uh, Josh, you want to take it first or you want me to ask mine first? You can give me like one thing we could do or whatever you want to do. Honestly, um, that's that's pretty hard. I haven't thought about that in a while. But I feel like the thing that you commented on before with what that student said, that they would like to see more difference in the working environment. I'm pretty sure that's what you said before with the hashtag that you was talking about before. I feel like that would definitely be of interest. I uh, I would definitely like to see, uh, you know, a little bit more diversity, a lot more jobs that could be reached out to some of the minority groups, a lot of more activity in that. And I feel like it would, it would work very well. It would work very well. For me, um, and I remember, like, there's this one book, I forgot what it's called, but it was about um this dude named, like, Alex. And he was, like, stuck on a river, like, there was this huge river that he couldn't pass. But and he was like starving so he couldn't like move around that much but if he just like took a walk like a mile down from the river he would have found like a like some kind of like log to help him get past the river and survive to me like it just feels crazy like if he would have known 
just a mile away was his salvation, he would have he would have actually lived to like, you know, see his family and all that. And it just reminded me how much like I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't know what ha- I don't know what like trends are happening on TikTok. Like there's ones that are really out there, like that spread on to Instagram, Twitter and all that. But there's some that are happening right now. We have no idea. And just like this classroom to careers things, I asked some of my friends in the high school and some of them like were so confused that they didn't even know that was going on in the school. So to me, I feel like there should be like huge amounts of promotion everywhere because this in I'm doing what I love right now. <laughs> me and Josh are doing what we love. Me yes, too. We, we would have we never known this unless like Dr. Grella like told us. We would have never known this. We would have still be in our rooms, I don't know, practicing Smash or something, like researching. We would have not known this at all. So to me, that's frightening because there could be like a dude just like me and Josh that has no idea about this experience. So I guess. All right, we're going to do that together. I'm going to give you all the cool jobs and you're going to do podcasts and we're going to push it out on social media. So we're going to work on that together. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys made my day yes thank you so much for allowing us to interview you get a check-in on your life and in your career Juan, would you like to shut it out for us sure thank you for everyone for listening to the first ever episode of the classroom to career podcast series thank you commissioner drago so much for coming along today mm-hmm. thank you for your time and thank you see Thank you for listening to the Classroom to Career podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening, and big thanks to the Classroom to Career program for assisting in the creation of this podcast. If you would like to find more episodes, go to Podbean, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. We hope you're having a good day, and much love from Long Island.